Each individual should have the freest possible scope for the development of his faculties and his personality. In order to have this scope, he must have freedom from violence against himself. Violence can only repress and destroy human growth and endeavor, and neither can reason and creativity function under an atmosphere of coercion. If each person has equal defense against violence, this equality before the law will permit him to maximize his potentials. Welcome to Keith Knight. Don't tread on anyone today. We have Sean Leal to discuss a book he has written regarding morality. Um, I don't want to give away the title just yet because it's terrific. Sean, thank you uh, for coming on Keith Knight. Don't tread on anyone. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So when discussing morality, a few things come to mind that we can sort of all agree on without there being, you know, a fight in uh, the cafeteria at uh, work about anything. And it's like, okay, the things we know are wrong. Slavery, rape, murder, kidnapping, theft, genocide. Um, What is it about these acts that you think is uh, immoral? Well, yeah, that's a that's the big question. And I actually was listening to your show with uh, Mark Passio and Larkin Rose recently. And that question was it was uh, uh, floated and it's a challenging one. So I took a step back and I started thinking, okay, so who has who, who determines this this morality where you know, where is its source? And uh, when when looking at a particular act, I realized that. Um, we, we all know that the person who takes an action uh, can't be the judge of the morality of that action because then a you know we uh, you know the, the classic example is you know Mao Zedong or something um, can judge his own actions to be moral. Um, external observers uh, can't judge it either because they're not affected by the action at all. So by logical deduction only the receiver the person who is who is being affected by that action is the one who is judging that action to be moral or immoral and ultimately um, it comes down to consent if the person who is being acted against is consenting to the action then the action is, is perfectly moral if they are not consenting to the action then the action is immoral and thus um, was where I made the connection between consent and morality. And so that's why I titled the book Consent is Morality. Now, just so we're on the same page, first of all, I love how at the beginning of the book you get definitions, so we're on the right page. Mm -hmm. So many philosophy books could either just not have been written or have saved 300 pages by just making sure we're we're talking about the same thing. Um, How would you define consent? Okay, so consent is the affirmative uh, decision or, or, or expression of, of accepting, uh, an action. Um, it's when we can get into, into the depths of consent itself, but that, that's really the, the, the bottom line is if a person, um, voluntarily, uh, you know, without, without external coercion, um, uh, allows another person to take an action or does an action to themselves, uh, then, then by definition they consent to it. Uh, but, um, is it, it's really about the voluntary acceptance of, and what's also very important is the um, is the expression of it. It must be explicit, and it must be uh, it must be given so that the other party that's taking the action um, actually has the consent. Do you think there are times where there is implicit consent? For example, if I let someone in my house, um, well. 
they can get some water from the fridge. They can sit on the couch. Uh, maybe they can have, you know, they can use my pen and the ink in there, but they can't take my card. You think there is some implied consent uh, in the action for the sake of, I mean, it would take so much time and effort and energy to get consent for every single thing that sometimes we do go on implied. I, I think that there's there's certainly cultural aspects to to that. Um, I I argue in the book that technically, if you want to get down to you know splitting hairs, there's no there's no actual implied consent. Uh, I think the the good example is if you're if you fall unconscious and you know medical people start to you know start to try to help you. Or if, you know, if, if a, a young you know, teenager attempts suicide or something, um, then people try to, to save that person. There's um, uh, some people say that there's an implied consent. Um, in fact, I argue that the medical personnel in that example um, are violating the person's consent. Now, maybe in our society, uh, we essentially are looking the other way uh, to the violation of that consent. Um, as you know, uh, and a lot of folks in our space, a lot of people are looking the other way about a lot of violations of consent in society. Uh, so it's, that's not entirely unheard of. But technically, if you want to get down to, to brass tacks, I, I would argue that those are violations of consent. And do you think that they can be justified in some instances? For example, um, is it okay for me to go and invade anyone's house whenever I want to? Well, no, that's a blatant violation of consent. Well, what if Jack and Jill get married and they Jack takes out an insurance policy for $2 million, Jill goes missing the next day, we see Jack carrying a heavy Persian rug out of his house at 2 a.m., well, and he refuses to come down to the courthouse, well, maybe then I can initiate uh, aggression and forcefully uh, enter the house. Or if someone's choking, can I put my body up against theirs and thrust really hard I mean, to stop them from choking? Is it ever okay to violate the consent of a person? Right. Well, I mean, obviously in the first example that uh, that person uh, took out the insurance is, has already committed the aggression, right? So, so you know, the, the actions uh, would be, would be the... Um, uh, would be an attempt to to punish those those aggressions. In, in the choking example, um, I, I think in those examples, it's pretty clear that the person who was saved or the person who was helped would turn around and say, "Thank you. Yes, I w I you know retroactively consented to your action, um, or by or even actually even by uh, the the choking example, a lot of people will will sign to themselves and and point to themselves and. And and somehow indicate that they need help. Uh, obviously, if they're unconscious, they can't. But I think um, I, I think the um, I, I did say early on. I did make it clear early on in the book that um, the world is not perfect. Uh, human humans live in the meat space, as they say, and and it's very squishy. And and there are definitely um, exceptions and and situations where um, uh, that would be a Certainly controversial, or or may appear to to poke holes in the in the philosophy, but um, uh, and I I do address that I do address that early on to make sure that the folks know that the the ideology is consistent. It, just because that there are there are little weird examples that might fall outside of it doesn't mean that the entire philosophy is is uh, is is damaged. And that is so important to get into because I mean. 
yes, literally anything can be justified in extreme examples. Like, anyone who is openly against slavery, well, is it okay to enslave someone for three seconds to save the entire human race from cancer, AIDS, COVID, and uh, another speech from Bernie Sanders? Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Uh, Those things are so terrible that uh, if just some small microscopic thing can be uh, have such a uh, different challenge, uh, different change to human events, well, in some cases, it would be okay. All of that is a clear uh, distraction or stalling tactic used to get away from the major examples. So, my question to you is: What are uh, some major reasons we should value consent, and aren't we already doing that? Um, well, clearly, we're we're not. As I mentioned before, uh, there's a. a a large number of of acts that are taken every single day that violate consent. Um, my my argument in the book, and the, the book is kind of laid out in three sections. Um, the first is to kind of to describe the the philosophy uh, from beginning to end. The second is to give some of these examples uh, that we've been talking about a little bit more real worldy examples, and then the third is to is to talk about what happens in a world where. Con- consent is not being followed and one example i talk about is uh if, is uh, with with children um if uh, or if i if if i can consent for someone else what would happen uh if uh if if you're not able to withhold your consent what kinds of uh of things that could happen in society i could um i could take all of your property, I could enslave you, I can take your children, I can, I mean, if if humans don't have the ability to withhold consent, um, I, I argue that uh, society would not last, um, actually. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think it would uh, stay cohesive in any sense for very long at all. Um, so uh, at the very end of the book, I talk about why, um, uh, what kind of actions that are being that are that are violating consent and how to recognize them um and what do we need to do to to build a more um consensual society sure um as far as just uh, getting any philosophy consistently applied if you say no screw this i don't care about consent or who has the right to own what that can't even be consistently applied because if i have the right to steal your headphones, well, that implies I have the right to own and possess them, and then someone should steal them from me because theft is right. But they can't rightfully take it and own it and exclude because theft is okay and I can violate their consent. The only uh, consistent uh, methodology to any philosophical uh, discussion here would be something that talks about both consent and ownership. So I'm curious, how do you determine who owns what and who is the aggressor in any given situation? Sure. The, I, I, from the very beginning, I, I start very, very basically. I mean, I even start at, I think, therefore I am. I go right to the root of uh, of humanity and talk about ownership and um, I'm very clear about how a person because they own themselves. And I talk and I make sure that I set that baseline about why people own themselves. I, I discuss um, uh, um, the fact that when you own yourself, you own your time. So a lot of folks, I'm sure, uh, who are, um, uh, you know, a lot of your viewers, a lot of your listeners already know this, but for those who are new to it, you because you own your 
life, you own your time, that's something that because it's yours, you may freely trade it for something else. And that something else, that property is now as much a part of you as that time was that you traded for it. Uh, those two things are equivalent. Uh, which is why if anyone steals something from you, if someone steals a car from you, they are essentially enslaving you for the time that you spent to produce that, the, the resources to make that car. Um, it, so it's when you do, when you look at it from that angle, it's, it's very clear about who owns what it's the, it's who voluntarily and peacefully traded what they own for something else uh, in agreement to other people. Um, I, I think that's, uh, that's, uh, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, now, would you agree with me that voluntary consent can trump labor value or labor effort? For example, if I go to a um, place and I work for 10 hours a day, five days a week for a year, and I build a bunch of houses, I don't own the houses, and I don't even have the right to be compensated if I chose to sign up for a charity to help build houses for people. So in that sense, could I do a ton of labor and rightly not be compensated because I voluntarily agreed? And therefore, again, we're back at consent being the root of morality instead of time and effort equaling my right to something. Yeah, absolutely. That's um, that. That makes perfect sense. It, it, if if a person, um, I think with situations like that, you have to think about it from a little bit of higher level, right? So think about the person who. Okay, so a, a worker volunteers uh, his or her time to build houses. The person now the the organization that they're being volunteered they're volunteering to gets all of the labor builds the houses and either donates them or sells them to another person. And then that other person now is you know, very grateful. They have the house, but if the laborer walks in and says, Hey, this is mine. I built it. It's, you know, they're, they're, they're going against their, their original agreement. Certainly there's some ethical, certainly there's ethical problems there. Um, and which I do separate out in the book, um, the, the difference between ethics and morality. Um, but, um, you know, they've, the, the, the property exists. They gave their time freely voluntarily, just as you would give money, um, or, or any other property. Um, and the, the other person who's received it now, um, even though they received it freely, it's, it is theirs, uh, because that property was, and that time was given, uh, voluntarily at the time. And it's gone. That's once you once you give something away and you've agreed to giving it away. And then, then I, I suppose you could get a situation where somebody decides, you know, does that if someone does that, uh, if someone gives away property and says, no, I want that back. Um, they're not going to get a very good reputation. So I think it, even even in the situation where um, uh, where you could where someone could argue that they could they could retrieve that property back. Um, it's not going to come without consequences. They're going to, they're going to, uh, be seen as somebody who, who does that and, and the trust is going to be gone. So, uh, there's a, there's a lot to, there's a lot to that possibility. Now, 
Now, one major thing is you can always, you know, come up. It's always interesting to come up with examples. Is it okay to steal, you know, one penny to save the entire planet from destruction? Yes. Well, in uh, some of these cases, aha, I've got you in sort of a bit of a conundrum. Therefore, the existence of a state is legitimate. That is the biggest non sequitur you can imagine. It's the equivalent of saying, you know, there's a lot of ambiguity in our dealings. Therefore, Amazon has the right to coercively rule us, make executive orders we have to follow. It's like, no, because all of the shortcomings that we face apply tenfold to this group of people called the state or any other group of people saying that consent and morality applies to them differently. Uh, you have a great uh, question that you pose to the reader. You say, should the morality of a particular action, if that action is right or wrong, be judged using the same method for everyone who does it, regardless of their job or intent? Why is that question important? It, it really does uh, go right to the question about government. I mean, I, I do it kind of subversively um, because the 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 target audience, when I was first coming up with the idea of this book, um, is that kind of young person, idealistic person, maybe who considers themselves on the left, who really, you know, maybe grew up in the in the Me Too movement as it was getting uh, big, and really did fundamentally understand that consent is primary. And I think a lot of people do um, no, do believe deep down that consent is is key. It's the thing that that's really um, the the biggest thing to uh, to uh, to be uh, cognizant of. So starting from that, I started putting those kinds of uh, little uh, seeds in the beginning of the book. Um, and that question in particular was to get to the point later on, where yes, just because somebody has uh, you know a blue uniform and a shiny badge, they're just a human being just like the rest of us, and they don't have any special powers. Um, they you, you you can't. I you can go in this through this in the book is you can't grant powers that you don't first possess. Um, so I, I I make sure I started a very simply, and so that it supports the uh, arguments that I make later on. That's so important because people can just apply that consistently in any case. If uh, people will often say, well, this is my job, or even, you know, non-police officers, non-members of the military will say, well, that's just their job and that's just what they're doing. As if getting paid, to, like doing the thing is bad, but if someone's paying you to do it, now it's okay. It's, I mean, the, the example I use is, yes, I, I go around assaulting women, but I only do it when their ex-boyfriends hire me to do it. And so I'm just doing my job and now it's totally different and morality doesn't count. Of, of course not. Um, the other thing you said about the ability to transfer things you don't have. This is vital when it comes to consent. Because if you say, well, the people uh, consent to something like regulation or taxation. Well, if the citizens, if I just don't have the right to go around issuing taxes to people or going around regulating people or conscripting them, how can I delegate that to a group of individuals who, if I don't have X, how can I transfer X to someone else? And I can't take it back. Like there's no method of me saying I hereby, you know, take back my right and I'm going to uh, just uh, I, I'm going to enforce this on, on my own terms. You guys tried swing and a miss. Thanks so much, Congress. Uh, you guys uh, did not uh, do great on that. Um, 
you talk on page 29 about group. You say groups do not act. What is the importance of understanding that groups do not act, only individuals act? That's actually one of the biggest misconceptions that I found for people uh, that are outside our space that are um, that that are you know with a collectivist uh, mentality, is that um, they say, well, the people have spoken, or you know, the voice of the people, or something like that is is the is the idea that a group of people have some sort of separate. Um, uh, cognition. There's some sort of um, uh, living entity or 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 you know morality that exists within a, that is separate and distinct from all the individuals. And that's just it's just um, when we when we say that um, a group acts or the people have spoken, it really is just a shortcut. It's the it's a um, the example that I give, um, I don't know if I give this in the book, I don't remember, but um, a flock of birds, a flock of birds does not chirp. Each bird chirps because you can't. So you, you might say, oh, that flock of birds is chirping, but it, it isn't. It's the all the individual ones in, um, taking action of themselves um, that that's making the sound. And it's the same thing with any kind of group uh, of humans that if Actually, this kind of dovetails into a little conversation I have later on in the book. If you grant um, uh, these kinds of anthropomorphic ideas to groups, if you give them its like its own identity and the group can take actions, then what it does is it absolves any individual within that group who may have committed a crime. If you're standing next to somebody in a big crowd and someone else throws a book I mean, a, a brick through a window. Well, you didn't do that. And so, or maybe the other person could say, well, it was just, we were just the, the other group that did it. Um, you can never identify the individual if the group is, is committing an atrocity. That's very and, uh, important. What do you think about uh, how you would tell someone that this really matters to them and their life, the idea that consent is morality? I might say, well, yes, taxation theft. The regu regulation is violent domination. The draft is slavery and war is mass murder. But uh, that's not going to change me and how I act and how I operate. So it's something far-fetched and hard to really care about. Well, what would you say to that mindset? Yeah, it's um, – I, I, I I would approach it by saying, think about, yeah, think about your own life and think about, you know, somebody doing something to you. Um, think about someone, you know, just, you know, uh, for a lady taking your purse, for a man taking your wallet. Um, um, think about the situation where your consent is violated. Um, it's, it's well, I mean, at the very basic level, it's, it's not, it's, you know, it's, it's not a happy thought. Um, and so, Knowing that that um, that that damage that you're that's done to you when your consent is violated is universal is the um, and, and which is which is why I assert that uh, morality is objective because it's based on consent. Even though each of us consent to different things, we all either consent or withhold our consent to every act that's taken against us, and so. Um, that that fact that everyone consents is universal, which means that it is an objective human, uh, uh, um, it's an objective piece of humanity. Um, 
So for the person who's putting it off to the outside, I would just say, just think about it, be a little more empathetic, right? Think about it, how you would feel. And that, that kind of, um, that kind of thing is, we, you know, we talk about it in, in foreign policy. Think, you think about what Americans would feel if, if, if someone else is doing it to us, that kind of reversal, I think is really instructive. Yeah, it's sad that, you know, like a thing that you should kind of learn in kindergarten to explain, well, you shouldn't hit this kid because you wouldn't want to be hit right. It's amazing how we lose that obvious, uh, <laughs> that obvious empathetic uh, tool. I mean, I just had it the other day uh, where someone's like, well, regulation is there for us to flourish. It's there to, you know, pr protect us and set parameters so we can flourish. And I said, all right, so from here on out, before you um, post anything on the internet, just send it to me. I'll tell you whether or not I approve or disapprove it just to make sure that you can have a space to flourish. And he blocked me. Now, <laughs> the, the point is, is not to change this person's mind. It's to, you know, show everyone else. And it, it is it almost benefits you to see how people respond to different ways of communicating something uh, and just uh, to plant seeds in the minds of everyone else. I am so glad that uh, someone sort of, you know, asked me these questions and made me think about uh, these sort of ideas. I think the main reason or the main way that uh, looking into, you know, consent, morality, self-ownership has changed me is if you really understand people own themselves and people own their own time, you realize that you're not automatically entitled to other people's time or property. So anytime you want to spend one second with someone or years with someone, you have to say, all right, they don't owe me any of their time. I need to create something of value. I want to be someone fun to be around. And you know what? If they don't like me, maybe I'll change a little. Uh, maybe I'll change a lot depending on whatever reason I have to uh, or, or motivation uh, that I have. But uh, when you recognize that other people don't own you and you don't own them inversely, it totally changes the dynamic, at least for me, the dynamic of relationships and uh and how you you know create value for uh other people do you see uh actual relationships changing once people embrace the philosophy of self-ownership and volunteerism i think there's i think there's a lot to that uh, thinking about even from a basic you know business standpoint i know that uh, people are not required to buy the book for example i am so grateful that people are voluntarily giving of their of their self uh, of the time and energy that they used to make to make money to hand it to me for for essentially you're just ideas that I put down on paper I am so grateful and so appreciative and so knowing that that um, that they're doing it voluntarily it makes it it makes it all the difference. I mean, I, I had a conversation with my uh, daughter when she was very young. We used to use the uh, little stars to, to when they do good, you get a star. And when you earn enough stars, you get uh, you get a, a, a reward. And we had a conversation. It's like because if if her brother didn't get enough stars, would it be OK for you to give him? Your, star, your stars so that he could get a reward. And she's like, yeah, but what if I made you give him your stars? And, and you could almost see that, that look on her face and she didn't really understand it. She was just, you know, like a six year old, but, but there's something viscerally wrong with that. And uh, just being able to, to, to give 
Um, you know, they, you know, that whole, that, that nonsensical sharing is caring, uh, uh, you know, ideology, you know, that, that leads into the, the, the socialism kind of ideals. Um, it, if you don't have the ability to voluntarily give or to voluntarily, you know, work together, then there's no, there's no value in, in, in doing something if you're forced to it. So it, it absolutely makes all the difference uh, when it comes to interpersonal, when it comes to business, everything. And you can just look at how you fe- how different you feel when you've either uh, volunteered at a charity or you've given to charity, and then you have given money to the IRS, given loosely. Uh, it's like, oh my God, more genocide in Yemen versus, oh gosh, seeing that woman smile was was worth everything. Um, and yeah. then there's the secondary effects of if people automatically get money there's less of an incentive to use it efficiently so they have to create value maybe there will be corruption that's why we need a free market in charity so we could opt out of funding the corrupt with the state you just fund corrupt and there's nothing you could do besides uh protest and then them uh lie to you about the audit uh, that they did so there's so many uh, different dynamics uh what were you gonna say no 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 no. that's that's um yeah, yeah, th- yeah. It, you you can you can go down a lot. There's lots of rabbit holes that you could go down for sure. Now, a major obstacle in this is, uh, you know, you can make a lot of great points, but if someone's mind is open this much, it's hard to get through. So, how do you first open people's minds to first accept the idea that consent is the root of morality? Well, f- well, first, I I do I do ask the person in the book, do you believe you? Know, what do you think about consent? I mean, consent is is primary. Are you the kind of person who 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 does genuinely value consent? Because I think most people do. As a matter of fact, I I, I did some speaking at a local uh, public high school, and the one and be, be, even though I'm quite uh, very very upfront about my anarchism position, um, the people who are there. There's a public school. Um, they asked me back multiple times because they know that my philosophy is based on peace and, and consent. And that really resonates, I think, uh, with, um, you know, especially like uh, high school kids and young adults who, who understand the absolute criticality of, of, of respecting consent choices. And so that's where I start. Okay. If you're with me, if you already see the value and the requirement to respect consent choices, let's follow that path down. So that's what I've always felt is the is the key, is the kind of the, the pry bar in. Yeah, uh, people will sort of uh, sometimes scoff at trying to get to the fun- the fundamental rights and philosophical aspects of something. They're like, well, I care about the consequences in the real world. Uh, uh, real-world um, outcomes of certain policies, not this whole rights and all this, you know, made-up stuff in your head, to which I say, uh, first of all, they never even do that with themselves historically. They're like, slavery, objectively wrong. Genocide, objectively wrong. This person was bad. This person was on the right side of history. But when it comes till today, uh, the way they analyze policies is, uh, well, what will it do for the unions, and how will this affect GDP? First of all, you have no clue, because you're lied to by Keynes economists all day. Second of all, uh, why is that relevant? I mean, like if I made a great, there's so many people whose uh, GDP and productivity would increase if they were enslaved. What does that tell you about the morality of slavery? 
it just tells you you can increase productivity without it being moral and it's still being unjustified. Oh, there's people we could, um, you know, uh, steal from and kidnap and that would, you know, stimulate economic yada, yada, yada. Long story short, they apply morality historically, but to the present, they can't analyze anything because of Rachel Maddow feeding them nonsense all day along with uh, with Sean Hannity. You, it's like you, uh, you get it from both sides. So do you have any go-to questions to sort of plant seeds in, the, in their minds? So maybe they go, I, I, I can't let uh, this guy uh, uh, know that he's outsmarted me. But at the same time, you want to give them something to think about uh, later. A- any uh, ideas on that? Yeah, it's I, – I really – I think – well, my approach was um, just, you know, how much do you – how much do you really believe that that um, uh, that's consent is primary? How, how – you know, I, I'm asking the reader this. How how much – if – if I'm if I explain this other problem, like let's say stealing from a, I think the, you know, one of the examples is you know should we steal from a billionaire to save the life of a of a homeless person? Then that's not a ridiculous question, right? That's a daily question that people that people ask. Um, and if your answer is yes, you know, okay, but are you really? Do you then? How much do you really care about consent? Um, yeah, yeah. And then I, you can go into the argument as well. Did the billionaire actually? get their money legitimately and how would you, you know, develop, you know, distribute that equitably. I, I, I do go into that uh, a little bit. Um, but the bottom line is how much do you care about, um, respecting consent violations? Um, I really try to hit them in the feels, uh, as much as possible because that's, I, th- I think, and you know, we've, we, a lot of folks in our space talk about, um, approach, uh, talk about strategy and um, the strategies that we've been taking just have not have not been uh, as successful, I think, as a lot of us have wanted. The fact of the matter is, people live on their feels; they live on their emotion. And so, uh, by tapping into that a little bit and saying, "Okay, do you really are you okay with violating someone's consent to achieve your own personal interest um, in the world?" Well, at least if someone says yes, then I know they're being honest. Um, but they need to at least understand that that's, that is what they're doing. Yeah, one, they have to understand that's what they're doing. Because if they're going off feels, well, maybe you want to make them feel a little bad about what they're doing. And then second of all, you go, wow, okay, so it's okay for people to violate your consent. And then you just get back into the conundrum of earlier of no one owns anything, even themselves, if you have the right to steal and uh, enslave uh, virtually everyone. Um, You also have a uh, pretty cool... Um, a little map that is built within the structure of the book, a um, a way for people to actually get a cryptocurrency just by reading the uh, book. Uh, how can people get uh, Bitcoin just by reading the book? Okay, so this was kind of an idea too, because one thing of uh, I, I I oppose intellectual property. Um, as far as I'm concerned, the the ideas in the book should be uh, should be free. However, I wanted a reason for folks to actually buy the print copy of the book. Um, and so uh, I had heard on another show the idea of 
with uh, with Bitcoin, you could hide a Bitcoin key in a book um, and walk it across a border and bring your Bitcoin with you. And so I said, well, why don't I do that with this book? So there's a pattern of words in the book itself. And those patterns, the, the, those particular words, when entered, um, I believe it's uh, bitaddress.org. I've got all the instructions online and I'll, I, I can explain how to get there. Um, if you if you put the certain pattern of words together in the right order and enter that into a key generator on, bit, on bitaddress.org, it'll spit out a key, a public and private key combination. And if you enter the right words, you'll get the, the Bitcoin wallet that I've preloaded. Now, right now, it only has a 0.01 Bitcoin. But as we record this, it's what, about 300 bucks, I think, $330 in that range, uh, which isn't zero. It's, it's something. Um, and I'm going to be adding for every print copy that is sold on my website, uh, consensusmorality.com, um, I'll kick in another dollar. So it will grow until someone finds it. So best place to buy the book is where? is consentismorality.com. I now, I was able to grab the uh, the URL for the name of the book, so I thought that was pretty good. Excellent. Yes, and of course, you'll see that link in the description. Uh, Sean, any uh, primary aspects to consent or morality, the philosophy of peace that uh, I missed or you would like to reiterate for the listeners? Um, there is a, a, Before I get too far off the Bitcoin thing, I want to give out a little hint to the pattern, because if, if you didn't have the hints to the pattern, you'd never find it. So um, as a um, thank you to you and to your listeners, I'm going to give away uh, one of the hints, and all the hints have four, uh, I'm sorry, three words. And the hint for your audience is concatenated in order. Concatenated in order. Now that hint doesn't make any sense to you guys, uh, so what I, you'll need to do is you'll need to go to consentismorality.com and there will be a link to get all of the rules and information on how to uh, grab that Bitcoin and links to where the other hints are. Um, but yeah, as far as the book is concerned, um, uh, it's a it's a short book. It's about 125, 130 pages in that range. I wrote it for the I wrote it for the non-libertarian, for the non-anarchist. Um, uh, so I think it's something you can hand to someone in your family uh, who maybe is uh, sympathetic to the ideas, uh, to get some some real basic groundwork and to understand uh, the importance of consent. Sean Layal, thank you for your time, and thank you to everyone for watching. Keith, I don't tread on anyone. Thank you.